Welcome back to the Pro Mum podcast. This evening I'm going to be um, meeting Amy Eubank. Um, Amy is the founder and director of Doll's Eye Theatre Company. I was actually introduced to Amy by a colleague and I'm just really interested to find out about her new production. It's called um, Birthright and is out on the 5th of September. Um, the play explores our beliefs about what we should and shouldn't do in terms of how like society regards what we should and shouldn't do when we decide to have children. So I guess I'm just really interested in speaking to her about her own personal experience and how she's used this as inspiration for the play. Today I'm with um, Amy Eubank and um, she was previously an actor and worked in radio but is now a director and um, founder of Doll's Eye Theatre. Radio and stage probably. Radio and stage, yeah. okay. I'm not okay. that much radio, more stage. Um, so what kind of um, radio and stage stuff did you do previously? So um, I did very kind of traditional like repertory theatre stuff. Um, I did... Um, so I worked at uh, Pitt Lockery and Keswick, which are a couple of big repertory theatres in the UK, where they where you're in sort of six plays in the course of um, eight months or something. So oh, wow. it was quite full on. Yeah, that was, that was an amazing experience. And then odds and sods, it's it's kind of. Um, it's kind of depending on uh, what you're doing at the time, doing a bit of radio, doing a bit of working in an office, doing a bit of, you know, I didn't really do any TV, um, but yeah, it was stage mainly. Yeah. Did you find that really hard to juggle between all It was of it? hard because the reason it was hard is because ultimately the sorts of jobs you take are not well paid. So you're working yeah. temping or you're working, so to juggle acting with that side of things was so hard yeah it was really really difficult um, and that's why so many actors leave the profession you know you can't yeah. earn a living and the, the job that you're doing you're paying the bills job is so unfulfilling that you end up thinking I can't keep waiting around for the next acting job because ultimately you know I'm treading water yeah but in terms of like that juggling of everything have you yeah. found that that set you up quite well in terms of parenting because I guess you're having to juggle having your son and it's almost like another that's another job isn't it yeah so would you say that kind of I mean my I've always wanted to, I've always had loads of different hats that I've put on so I've yeah. either been acting in something writing something um you know doing a straightforward office job um you know starting another little enterprise so I've always that's always been I've always loved being busy I'm not the sort of person that can sit around and twiddle my thumbs I go a bit mad yeah. I think it's slightly pathological um, my <laughs> desire to be busy all the time I try and do some mindfulness to like stop having to do stuff um but yeah I love being busy I love organizing and lists and all of that jazz oh, um, you sound like my kind of person oh, I love man. a good list I love it when you do a list and then you like you write something on the list that you've just done, done. yeah just like, so you can just get it off straight away yeah <laughs> done it nailed it wake up done I used to do that when I was little I do actually remember writing wake up yeah done done it brilliant and <laughs> um, so in terms of um, like Doll's Eye and setting that up how did that all come about so as I said, I was an actor for was that, eight years, I think it was. So I went to drama school for three years, went to Lambda, trained as an actor, wow. um, did you know acting off and on, as I said. And, and the thing that's sad, actually, as a footnote, is that so many actors, now I audition actors and with Doll's Eye, and um, I'm on the other side, and so many actors, you ask them what they've been up to, and it doesn't mean 
what have you been up to in your acting life like it's just yeah. how are you know how but there's you? this kind of feeling that actors always have to say oh you know I did a I did a commercial six months ago or I did and it's just like you could just say I'm just working in a cafe like you know yeah. because it's just because there's this like feeling of if you're not employed all the time then you're not good and actually that is not how it works at all um, so I always sort of say to actors like you know you can you can be doing you don't have to pretend to me yeah. that you're acting in anything at the moment that's cool we're mostly not we get it um, but yeah that's just a little side note but um, so I've actually got the question that's alright <laughs> um, so what made you decide to set up your own company so as I said I was acting and I found partly not doing the sort I, I loved doing the repertory theatre stuff that I that I was involved in but I did find quite a lot of the time in the roles I was cast as that as a woman as a young girl blonde um, you know as I was then bright young thing um, (laughs) that I was cast in the sorts of roles that I didn't massively enjoy so it's usually kind of ditzy blonde um, always a foil to a man often in underwear um and I didn't really independently have my own storyline. It was always a supporting, supporting man, uh, male roles, um, with a couple of exceptions. So I just found I, I was waiting for the jobs, I was waiting for the jobs, I got the job, and then I was in the job and I was thinking, oh, this isn't quite it, this isn't quite what I meant, because invariably, you know, you're often working with, um, you're often working with great directors, but... I think I can count on my on one hand how many female directors I work with that perhaps had more of an understanding of the imbalance yeah. within the industry, I guess. So, um, so it was partly frustration, and it was partly that I thought, well, I'm not sure I want to do that anymore. I'm not sure I want to be telling those stories anymore. I might want to tell different stories. So. Um, I thought about directing. I started directing a couple of years before I started Doll's Eye just to see whether or not I enjoyed it because I was quite insecure about running a room. I didn't think I'd be able to have the confidence to stand up in front of all the actors and sort of give my opinion. And I also was worried that I'd be stood there and feeling like, God, I wish I was on. I could do that. I could do that better. You know, but I don't, you know, I never have felt that weirdly. And when I started doing it, the excitement of seeing a play come together and all those lists that you draw on when you're when you're making a production is you know is a huge amount of organisation and investment emotional and actual that goes into putting a production together so um, so I thought I'd give it a go did a bit of directing for a while and then um, thought about setting up the company had some amazing group of women that, who, who some of whom were friends, some of whom I met on courses um, and we formed Doll's Eye um, in 2015 and then did our first production in 2015 which was working with another external writer um, and dramaturging that, so editing that with her and then did another one in 2016 and that was the piece which was then taken to the King's Head and then Zadell's in Piccadilly and then we adapted it for schools so we got funding from Durham University and worked with some amazing amazing collaborators um, including Rape Crisis South London and um, IMCOM which are um, a charity that look at the experience of BAME women Um, and we looked specifically at street harassment um, studying using work from the PhD of Dr Maria Garner 
and Dr. Fiona Vera Gray, who are amazing, amazing women who have done this research looking at public space intrusion and looking at women's experiences um, of how they operate in public spaces. So street harassment, people have a kind of view about that phrase and what that means, yeah. wolf whistling, or actually um, there's a huge amount of learning um, that I did about what public space intrusion actually means in terms of how we as women feel when we walk down the street at night yeah. and stuff that we take for granted in terms of safety, the safety work that we do um, in order to make sure that we feel we can get home safely. Yeah. So, you know, wearing flats if we need to run, yeah. holding keys in our hands, yeah. um, things that you have done maybe for years but you don't necessarily think about it because we've just been conditioned it just becomes like second nature exactly it? yeah like so. i've always done this thing where someone told me you need like a distraction technique so i always have a phrase in my okay. head oh what's which that is, well like it can just be completely random so that if someone like comes to do you like hippos because Amazing. it takes them so off guard it takes them out of the moment yeah it, yeah it's like they either think you're crazy yeah or they take some so off guard that it gives you that split second yeah, to yeah, run. Yeah. I mean, I've never had to use it, but no. I've come up with some interesting phrases. Well, I'm sure. In my time well, it's, just... it's so interesting, though. So, so many women that um, from the research and you know from the work that we did um, have talked about the work, the, the stuff that they do. Yeah. You know that they na- that they naturally do and have done since they were little. And then the impact of that psychologically, you know, it's really interesting. So we took, we devised a piece working with those amazing collaborators. We were funded by um, Durham University. Um, it, was a, it was a brilliant project. We went to 12 schools and, um, and got some lovely feedback from the students about what they learned. Um, particularly the boys was really interesting as well. So we really tried to focus on the boys as well as the girls who didn't feel like that we were just getting at them. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. we wanted to get the conversation going around masculinity and being a man and what that actually means and how maybe boys and men might use women to bond in a, yeah. in a way that, that they may not be necessarily conscious of they're having a conversation saying she's fit or whatever it, you know that's yeah. relatively innocuous but it can be a, obviously a lot more um, than that so it was really interesting and then we did this workshop and, and, and yeah so then so that was our second production and now we're working on the third one so it's um, it's been really good and it's really wonderful to be creating the sort of work that um, we're really passionate about as yeah. a company and yeah because the educational piece was called Might Never Happen wasn't yeah. it um, so is that still running now in schools no at or? the moment what we're doing at the moment Dolls are currently setting up as a charity which is a huge huge process oh, wow. so yeah. we're working with some amazing lawyers that are supporting us to um, register as a, as a charity it's a, you have to do a lot of work um, to do that so we've been doing that for a few months so once hopefully we get charitable status we will then be going for trying to ask for funding you know because you're a bit restricted in the terms of funding you can go for um so we'll be asking for funding um and knocking on some doors then to try and get more out there yeah so is the aim of all of your pieces now to try and educate people in in some way or bring up some form of topic of conversation that no, needs to be actually. discussed about in society? Well, or? I say no, it's not in a traditional sense, in the sense that we're not taking all our pieces into schools or into education settings, but 
with every piece of work anyway, I feel like all the pieces of work that we create are um, asking a question. Yeah. So whether it is, you know, around street harassment, we're also working on another piece about masculinity, specifically yeah. asking a question of boys and men about what that means you know there's been a lot of yeah. discussion in the media about that at the moment and trying to build on that and take a bit of that momentum so it's opening up the opportunity for discussion and it's looking at the grey areas you know because yeah. um, not really interested in black and white stuff and, and nothing really is black and white in life I don't believe so it's trying to unpick some of that grey stuff and really get people to think about their actions the actions of others and how that impacts I guess so there is an education element but there will be um, lots of productions that are more kind of traditional in a, yeah, a theatre yeah, yeah. setting and then we will have the education arm as well which will hopefully go on to schools or perhaps you know other other settings yeah because you a, a lot of your stuff um, aims to question like gender stereotypes doesn't it mm-hmm. yeah that's right yeah yeah um, so where was you at in terms of when you decided to, um, to to set all of this up? Was like, had you had your son at that point? Um, no, I hadn't. I was actually. It's funny you ask because really, I, I don't really think back to that in terms of family. But I, I do remember, now you asked the question, that I was very much like, right, I need to get this stuff under my belt before. I have think a baby, about it, yeah. you know, before I think about it. So I was pushing for that, um, even though I'd kind of forgotten that until you asked the question. <laughs> but yeah, I was pushing to try and set the company up, get a bit of a name out there, you know, try and do that sort of work. Um, so, so I think I did do that. So well done, me. <laughs> so, no, it's That's funny. You asked the question. I really didn't really haven't thought about it for years. Um, but yeah, I was. I was trying to carve out this piece of what the work we were doing and then be able to well I certainly haven't stepped off but at least be able to have some work there already so I wasn't starting from scratch Um, but you know it is difficult but um, that was that was the aim basically yeah try and get some of that work out there already and get our name out there so that we were then able to build on that when things get a bit more hectic as they inevitably do when you've got a baby yeah because at what point did you kind of then say to yourself like okay I have got enough under my wing now well it wasn't as simple as that to be honest well no but mainly because we tried for a baby for a couple of years so um, and we had you know uh, we didn't go down IVF but we did have different procedures and anyone that's listening to this that's gone through similar will know you know there's a sort of thing where they put dye up your tubes and go in through keyhole surgery and um to see what's going on in there um and we had those you know um which was very stressful in itself so that was a couple of years of that really so in a way all of the creative stuff was running alongside that so I just pushed on with the creative stuff, which is, you know, perhaps, you know, everyone says these things happen for a reason, but perhaps that is, you know, perhaps that is a good thing. That it, you know, we were obviously very lucky that we did, it did happen in the end, yeah. and it happened naturally. But, um, but yeah, so we kind of, um, we were planning on having a baby a couple of years before it happened. Um, but you just never know where they're going to come. No, <laughs> there's <laughs> no plan in it. No. Yeah. Did you find like almost an added pressure then? Because I guess because 
it wasn't it wasn't simple it had taken you so long did you almost question like so for instance some people you speak to they kind of say it was like so hard for me that I felt like I had to devote my time then to just being a mum did you ever find that no I think or? the thing the thing that I found I certainly didn't feel that because I know myself in the sense that if I didn't have the creative stuff I'd well I do go mad yeah so it's really really important for me to do that um, it's like my my psychological you know, oasis. exactly yeah. I just I need it so I didn't really feel that but what I did feel um, was really surprised at and this is probably not going to some people don't mind this but other people um, but yeah I find it quite boring Okay. Yeah. so I find having a little baby now yeah. he's a laugh and a half but the first couple of years it's dull as shit <laughs> like, literally as you're yeah, cleaning their shit I mean obviously they're very sweet and you know uh, but you can't have any conversations and I'm a conversationalist um, and the thing of getting up you know you're up with them he, he didn't sleep um, well at all he was two months premature as well so we had that added into the mix in terms of stress everything was fine but um, but yeah so one thing that because we tried for a while and then I was you know often sat there on days in my nighty you know feeling like terrible and thinking gosh I, this is dull this is really dull because I think we're sold a version of motherhood yeah. particularly of motherhood um, that is I can't say not accurate because it is accurate for some but it certainly wasn't accurate for me in the sense that you know I really found that slog you know particularly before they're smiling or yeah. you're not getting anything back and just the constant need to keep someone alive yeah. It's huge pressure. It's a huge pressure. Um, and it gets a lot better once they have the cognitive understanding that you can say, you know, I was saying to my son today, you know, watch out, sweetheart, that's a bus and you mustn't go to... And he'll go, yeah, bus, careful. And then at least, you know, there's a two-way. Yeah, yeah. But when you're literally just like they're crawling, they're eating sand, they're putting nails in their mouth if they find them on the floor, it's the emotional... Um, I found it quite anxiety-inducing, that yeah. need to keep him safe all the time um, and ultimately if you're the stay at home parent that's your job and that yeah. is no mean feat um, and so having tried you know for a couple of years I was quite surprised at that I suppose because I also had had this idea of you know my sister's got three kids and you know you see them on days out and you're just like oh my god they're all so adorable and not when you're with them 24 7 yeah and, <laughs> and, and you're not getting anything and you're not back. getting anything back um so and I had did have this conversation with my sister actually quite recently and I and we both say you know quite happily skip the first few years like you know it's 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 really it's it was a massive struggle for me um so the creative stuff was a was a huge saving grace, grace in that yeah. sense yeah so when was you able to kind of like was you chomping at the bit did you get in did you take full maternity leave or well you... i've got a bit of a weird setup because so um doll's eye is not um paid in the sense of you know as in i get paid per 
job if I get the funding. So yeah. I, me and my producer have to secure the funding for each project. So, yeah. um, but I do PA work as well. So I'm an executive assistant PA around that. Uh, yeah. So I was working for um, a charity. I was PA for a charity part time. So I took the full maternity leave and yeah. then I actually left that position um, and now I'm back to doing freelance PA work in order to subsidise the dolls I stuff yeah. at the same time as working at around my baby so um, I have sort of juggle things um, really when he came off the boob that made a big difference in terms of um, my breastfed through a year um, and he started sleeping a bit more then and it meant also you know because it's a lot it's every few you know depending on what age they are but yeah. at some I mean, when he was first born, because he was premature, it was every hour, hour and a half. It's hardcore. Relentless, and then, yeah. you know, then when you know, then when they get to seven, eight months, whatever, it's every three hours, and so it's quite it's quite a lot. And, and there is a lot to be said as well. That's another thing I think people don't really talk on about is this idea of your body not being yours. Yeah, you know, it's been under. It's been taken over when you get pregnant yeah. to a certain extent, you know, um, you're sharing it with someone. Um, and then you also are, it's on loan whenever, and if you're feeding on demand, which is what we were doing, it's on, on loan to someone. Yeah. However much you love them, it's on loan to someone. No, um, yeah. And that's quite a weird concept until you're in it, until you're suddenly like, oh, right, this is, it's in some ways it's beautiful because you see the power of what your body can do. And because my babe was so little when he was born, I saw him grow from this tiny little, you know, people thought he was a doll. Yeah. They thought I was mad, I think, because we went into Wagon Mamas when he was a couple of weeks old. And, they, and this waitress was like, this is a doll, yes? I was like... <laughs> Do you think I've got a buggy and I'm wheeling a doll around? <laughs> no, this is my baby. He's just really small. Back off. Um, but yeah, so um, he was very little, but it's an amazing thing when you think, my gosh, that growth is all because of me from this. Yeah, and that's that's an amazing thing. And there's a power to that, but I think that is also at odds with what we have learnt um, as women about what our bodies are. And that's yeah. a big, that's a big, whole other thing, you know, to unpick in terms of, in terms of this idea of what our bodies actually uh, stand for, and what we again tying into a lot of the things we talk when we're little about how how we look and what you know what we can offer the world, I guess. Yeah. And then when you're suddenly doing a very practical job with your body. There's nothing sexy about it. Quite the opposite. Um, you know, pumping, sat on a sofa in your pants, pumping a you know your boob with a machine. That's quite hard pill to swallow yeah. when you are used to wanting to be seen and seeing yourself. I think to a certain extent in a certain way. So you know, being sexy or um, you know being desirable and suddenly your body is totally practical yeah and that's really interesting it's a really interesting I struggled with that flip to be like oh in some ways I said really empowering she's like wow I can actually create a human being I grew your lungs and your heart and all your organs in my body that's really beautiful but at the same time the flip side is you know your boobs are a lot bigger you're you're bigger you know yeah. inevitably when you've just most people after you've just had a baby um 
and it's just a di- very different way of thinking but it, it all ties into the same stuff it kind of all so much ties into my work that it was sort of fascinating and challenging yeah because I guess it affects like relationships and mm. stuff as well that you never even think that it would you'd think yeah. that it'd bring you closer together but because of I guess that energy that that child is taking yeah absolutely like you said in terms of feeling sexy yeah yeah it's like you know you're not going to you haven't with got, no sleep no exactly with... you haven't got that you know and that's another thing that comes out of what what you had previously I guess it's just like thinking of what you gain and what you lose and you gain so much you know I adore my son as everyone does with their kids and I don't really funnily enough I don't really tend to talk about how much I love him because um it's sort of a given (laughs) you know it's like uh, you know I'd far rather kind of joke about um how much of a prick he's been because 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 he is and that's the thing sometimes like people are all people and sometimes he's just a massive asshole some days and actually I'd far rather be honest about it and be like you know I can't constantly be patient sometimes he's just being a dickhead and that's okay sometimes we're all like that that's fine because he's another human being too um but you know I obviously I adore him and we have a massive laugh together um you know and he's um one of my best friends in the world but um also you know it's your enemy yeah exactly (laughs) my tiny midget foreign exchange student (laughs) enemy that I live with I try to understand what he's saying I don't understand you sweetheart say it again um, whereas if that was an adult you'd be like yeah. will you just spit it out exactly yeah exactly. I think it's good to have that honesty because it's it's refreshing like we always have this thing of like kids have to wrap around their finger and you all think that they're your little angel yeah and like especially when you're a teenager and you're like your mum thinks that you are like yeah. godsend exactly and you are so not yeah like, yeah, yeah. So actually it will set him up well, really I hope well, so. I hope so. I mean, like, also, I kind of I talk to him a lot, like he's an adult, because it amuses me more than anything. Um, you know, I'll kind of say to him, you know, I, I literally have no idea what you're talking about, mate. Um, and, and, and because, and he'll laugh back, and it's funny actually, sense of humour thing, seeing his humour develop, and and from oh, you. yeah, from <laughs> me and my husband, and be like, oh right, okay, yeah. Um, have I gone too far? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is awkward. Um, don't say that one in front yeah. of Nanny. Oh yeah, God. Don't right. talk about the swearing. Gosh, yeah. Recently, he dropped. He had there were two coat hangers that were attached, and he was pulling them apart, pulling them apart, and he went, "Mummy, mummy, ah, oh, shit." And I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> better stop that oh, then." Oh, I laugh or yeah. off? You probably know what I did. <laughs> I called my husband in. That's what you just said. <laughs> Do it again. Yeah. What did you say? Yeah. Um, so I guess with all that in mind, how has um, that affected your work and this next place? So the next play is out on the 5th of September. It You're is. in rehearsals yeah. at the moment. We are, yeah. Um, and that's called Birthright. It is indeed. Yeah. So tell me, what what is the concept for so, Birthright? So Birthright is basically a play which has been informed by lots of interviews and focus groups with women who have gone through the NHS system, mm-hmm. um, and also with midwives who work uh, in the NHS. Yeah. Um, I was really really keen to get both sides um, not that there's you know it's not a battle but <laughs> in order to get both perspectives yeah, from yeah. from the um, and I'm sure some of the NHS staff have also 
been on the other end of exactly, it as well. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. So it's been absolutely fascinating. Um, obviously, it was born out of me having my baby. Yeah. Um, it's the story of three women, so three-hander, so three female actors, um, who's who all have different expectations, you know, we've touched on some of that already, um, who all have different expectations of what motherhood will be like, but also expectations of their birth. So, um, before I had my baby, I hadn't really thought about birth as a human rights issue. Um, I very much do now, uh, in terms of what happens with women's bodies um, and what knowledge women have going into birth mm-hmm. or don't have depending on what's happened to them previously and where they're at um, it's a really interesting thing to look at so the story is yeah, as I said three women um, who don't know each other yeah. they're interlinking stories it's a really dynamic piece and it's multi-rolling so all the three women three actors play about six or seven different characters each and come in and out of each oh, other's wow. lives um, it's, there's lots of humour in it um, and it's a piece looking at those big themes but also looking at some of the stuff you know that we've been joking about looking at the minutiae of actually it's kind of weird when someone kicks you from the inside yeah really lovely yeah but is it also kind of disgusting yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you trying to say to me yeah. why do I want you out in the exactly. world exactly <laughs> and, and when you are sat there and you're, you can see a foot underneath your skin (laughs) when you say it like that yeah it's weird it's so weird obviously it's lovely in some ways but again it's weird and maybe that's just me I'm just a freak but I can't believe other women don't find it weird to see because you see the elbow you know fully pushing out or a fist you see all their fingers and it's under your tummy and that's very odd um and that's, that's something that I was I, I, I was fascinated by, but in a kind of, oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like, don't know to be disgusted, I don't know to be disgusted, upset, excited, uh, yeah, just upset. Just to laugh, I don't know, like, I don't know oh, how this to, is amazing. I've got no lexicon of experience that tells me how to react to this person in me. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that. looking at stuff like that is one of the things that I wanted to kind of put into the mix um, and also media discourse, you know, the way that the media talk about birth, um, things like One Born Every Minute, programmes that we're very used to seeing but they ha- they do depict a certain story um, the fear um, around surrounding childbirth huge, huge amount of fear um, and and why is that? And actually asking that question of why we are so afraid of what our bodies can do yeah. um, and ultimately can do very well yeah. a lot of the time, very, very effectively. Obviously, sometimes things go wrong, but yeah. it's quite rare. Um, and then looking also from the midwife point of view and what the pressures are on them. We don't have a, a specific midwife, but as I said, women are jumping in and out, so they are playing midwives that aren't meeting each of the respective women in the play um, and those midwives some of the interviews I had were just absolutely enlightening fascinating and uh, difficult you know because yeah. you may think why am I not getting 
a level of attention or whatever but you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes for that woman and the pressures being put on her in terms of administration and in terms of how hard it is actually when um, you're working under those conditions so it's a really really interesting um, topic and one that I feel hasn't been explored um, theatrically fully yet so that's what we're going to do it's definitely very (laughs) very interesting to kind of like have that honesty yeah what what is it actually like to to give birth to decide to have a child to everything around it yeah i hope so and i feel um you know even if you don't want you know if you don't want kids or you're you're not at that place in your life or you, you decided not to um, in the past then actually the stories of the women and the questions in the piece are very much universal questions about body ownership and about relationships um, and looking at the the different stories and how the women tackle adversity I guess Yeah. Um, so it should be a good night out Definitely. I mean, I'm in. It's, it's like you said to kind of question those stereotypes. It's yeah. kind of interesting for anyone, and yeah. I can already see how it can be very humorous just by you saying about <laughs> the foot in the in the stomach. Um, so, you know, what what do you? I guess the inspirations come from your own experience, yeah. um, but why do you think it's kind of like the right time now to? to release this show there's been a lot of coverage in the media about natural childbirth and um, a lot of discussion around whether or not women should be encouraged to give birth naturally and there's lots of discussion around what naturally means Um, but it's quite interesting that this is something that is I think following the Me Too um, epidemic and I think it's now the time where it's starting to build and actually looking at stuff which happens to women and yeah. with women on a on a very pervasive uh, kind of it's not necessarily every day obviously giving birth but I mean women are giving birth every yeah. day something things that are expected and actually trying to interrogate those systems a little bit um, and ask why certain things are happening and whether or not we can reevaluate and ask questions um, I think is key and because there has been, you know, more discussion around home birth and whether or not, um, you know, whether or not induction, exactly. Yeah. There's, there are lots and lots of questions. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, we're really, really keen to try and get people talking and to try and get people sharing. And one of the things that was so interesting was doing the focus groups with the women, that they had space to talk about it um, in a way that I think a lot of women post-birth don't necessarily feel they're able to do that Um, so it was great to have that open up that conversation Uh, it was very healing I think for a lot of women is there anything particular that you want people to take out of it or is it that you want them to just form their own opinions exactly yeah I want um you know as a piece it's very much about getting people to discuss their own experiences there are, I've sent it to um, the script to a few people who haven't had kids as well and 
you know, who, whose reaction has been blimey. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing to think about or um, to evaluate or whatever it might be. So I think it's about um, getting people to open their minds to different ways of uh, doing things, and that doesn't mean. Um, non-NHS doing things because the NHS are absolutely amazing and I, I had a, a great experience within the NHS so it's definitely not about downing the NHS it's very much about trying to work with people yeah. to try to give the best support that so many midwives are already giving yeah. um, and understanding what will happen with your body yeah. you know ultimately taking ownership of what is happening to your body with your body and understanding that you're not ill yeah you're going into a hospital you're not poorly you're going in because you're going to have a baby and you can go in and um ask questions yeah yeah because i think so many people do think that it's like oh they're a doctor they know what they're doing and yeah it's like, actually no i'm feeling like this exactly um, and it's 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 uh, and so many times i think when you do actually explain to someone I'm, i am feeling a bit anxious or i am feeling the response is really really positive and really understanding but there is a fear around speaking up um and again it's about trying to unpick that fear and trying to work out where does that come from why do i not feel i can be heard in this space or own this space um and hospitals are are where people go when they're ill and it's very hard to shake that off yeah um you know in every other instance and you're not you know so hopefully it should feel empowering and there's also you know been very very keen to draw male characters that um are obviously the women are playing the male characters there's three women actors but looking at the relationship dynamic and looking at how men can get it wrong obviously which is how things are often depicted in in a room you know in the birth room but they can also get it wonderfully right you know um my husband was amazing like that the support he gave me in the room was was absolutely amazing um and i know so many women who have experienced that so it's trying to empower everyone i guess the midwives the women the partners and and try to try to talk about stuff yeah um so with all like your interviews and stuff like that what would you say was like something really surprising that you found out that you just didn't even think about yourself because i guess almost whilst you've been doing this you've probably set out to, in a certain way and then actually you've been educated along the way by doing those interviews yourself yeah I think for me the most enlightening there were two obviously the most enlightening um, stuff was different from speaking to the medical profession speaking to the women um, although on a similar on a similar kind of thread but the, I think from speaking interviewing the midwives that I spoke to um, just how much they're dealing with just yeah. how much they're dealing with and that's gone into a lot in the play you know in terms of um, what is happening for that for that woman and for that individual you know you see a uniform and you don't necessarily think about the person um, yeah. there was a phrase that one of the midwives um, amazing midwives said to me which is that you're only you're often only as good as your last bed so if you've had a lady who has a very, very traumatic birth, you then go into the next birth carrying that, the weight yeah. of that, and it's very hard to not... React to, to not Exactly, way. yeah. Um, to not take that into the room. But also, like you were saying, in terms of all the other stuff, background stuff that you don't 
think about I always think that about all jobs you never really understand what someone's having to do you think oh you just deliver babies it's like no I have to do paperwork for that every decision that I make I have to justify the paperwork thing is huge talking to to midwives about if they don't write something down it didn't happen legally it didn't happen so that's why you know you're sat there and there's a lot of note taking happening and you may feel a bit like are you listening but they are of course but they must write things down they've got so much to cover in such a short amount of time and if they miss something they're the midwife on duty yeah Yeah. so so that was from from that point of view which is really fascinating and then from the women's point of view I guess um, this feeling of disappointment a lot of the women that I spoke to were quite disappointed and not from the way they were treated necessarily but they had an expectation on their bodies and what they thought was going to happen quite a lot of the women you know you you may want this natural birth or you may want and actually there is there is a sense of kind of well why didn't that why didn't go the way I wanted yeah and um, and actually so much is then done in order to try to um, compartmentalise and deal with that um, upset and emotion that it's kind of pushed down, pushed down, pushed down because they think, oh, my, my birth was shit, everyone's was, everyone's is, so let's not talk about it. Yeah. And then the knock-on effect of that is quite difficult, I think, psychologically. You know, a lot of women struggle with that. Um, I should say conversely, though, there's also from some of the women that I spoke to a real feeling particularly people that had second babies of empowerment that they'd there's an ownership that they'd taken of that experience um, and they actually said you know I I want I want to find ways to make me feel like this is mine you know like yeah. this, is, this is mine and I I can hold this experience um I think until you've been through birth and again of course it varies from everyone I don't think you can fully comprehend what your body's capable of doing in in terms of obviously your body's capable of doing amazing things in other areas but you know if you do want to have a a kid it is quite amazing it's quite amazing and actually from the women that I spoke to have positive births and that's something that um, I'm really passionate about um, one of my collaborators um, Natalie Meddings is the most amazing amazing uh, doula so she goes and works with women who are having babies um, and sort of supports them through their pregnancy and goes into the room with them and she's got a website called tell me a good birth story which is all about positive experiences of birth because of course we see these screaming women who are all in agony and it's horrific it's very dramatic it makes wonderful television or drama it's great it's not necessarily accurate well it's it's not for a lot of you know you can birth silently you can um, you know there are different ways to experience that and actually the power of women speaking to other women about their positive birth stories is unbelievable I had a I was even though I had a very difficult time because he was early, I had a really positive birth. Um, and actually, I make a point of telling women that, <laughs> that, yeah. that you know, that 
I don't just tell women in the street. That would be <laughs> awful. Um, but yeah, you just I, stop me now. Yeah, to tell exactly. Me. Yeah, it's the only reason we're drinking a pub. Just women away from me. Um, yeah. So there are. There is. Um, there is a wonderful power to sharing those stories, and actually, the relief on women's faces when you say, "My birth was great." Yeah, it was great. It was really good, and I was. You know, I was. It, yes, it, it hurts. Yeah, it's it's it's, but it's not a pain that's unmanageable. Yeah, it's it's also a familiar thing for me anyway. You know, it was it's period pain times a hundred. Yeah. So um, it's there's so much fear and anxiety around what it's going to feel like. This idea of you know shitting watermelon, all those sorts of things that people say, yeah. and actually it's not that. You know, we are designed to open. Like it's not, yeah. but there is so much, and it's comedic and it's hilarious to talk about it. But actually, it's not hilarious because that's your body, and that's you know, you don't want to think about having to do it, having to do that, or the hilarious jokes that people make about splitting or whatever. You know, things like that. It's it's not actually that funny. Like, and it just plants fear. Just plants fear. So that's the pressure to feel a certain way as well. That how do you mean? Like, as in, in some ways, some people might have had a good birth, but it's like, oh, you know, they almost feel bad for saying that they have had a good birth. Yeah, I think there's that thing when you've all had, a, you know, it's a bunch of mums in the room, um, and there's a feeling, if you don't want to be the one to be like, oh, mine was really good, if someone has lost... I enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. If someone's lost litres and litres of blood and yeah. had a hemorrhage and, you know, it, you're not going to be the one to sit there and be like, oh... I don't have that but at the same time I think um, sometimes that can be silencing in a way that isn't helpful on the other end of the spectrum because there's nothing wrong with saying yeah it was was good like it's not to say it isn't tough like it's it's really it's a a big challenge but it's a challenge Um, and um, it shouldn't be so frightening yeah really interesting so um would you say did you also talk to them about like um, their fears in terms of afterbirth like as in was there any comments on like what they were most scared about when their child was there rather than the actual birth process or a bit um, but to be honest there's less of that in in this this is yeah. more very much looking at the event of in birth itself, yeah. um, I didn't I, I mean I, I've got that from friends and from um, a little bit within the interviews but to be honest it was more it was more the shock after um, uh, the shock after the birth and actually um, then having had someone in a part of you and then that person being outside again what that is psychologically is really strange um and yeah so less on on motherhood on the motherhood stuff than than on the actual um event itself and do you touch on like postnatal depression or anything like that because i guess that's the other thing is you you get told that you're having a baby it's amazing you must feel really really good about this and it's like actually it's had a massive drain on my body yeah and this is a weird feeling and I, I can't quite comprehend it and yeah we don't really touch on it um specifically but there are there is a lot around it you yeah. know there is a lot um around it and around the expectation and, and what that feels like when maybe expectations aren't met um, yeah and 
yeah, so it's not, um, you know, that's a whole other play in, in a way post-birth. of um, like your own experience how do you find juggling having your son and obviously your your two other jobs I didn't yeah. realise that you, you PA just, so do you PA from home or PA from home, home yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. freelance exactly yeah. yeah again this is one of those things that mums don't say so much when I dropped my baby off uh, at nursery for the first time he was nine months old um, I'm quite lucky because he hasn't really done the screaming you know, thing when I leave, but lots of mums were saying to me, you know, are you right? You know, yeah. and I was like, yep, <laughs> really good. It's really nice to have some time where I'm not with this other human being. Um, no one should be in each other's company that much. Um, so um, I think from then, We've had a relatively healthy kind of, um, you know, I, I work, at the moment, I work um, three days a week, um, but I also work evenings when he's gone to bed, and, you know, I work around him. Um, that's going to go up slightly, so I'll be working about four with my PA work and doll's eye, and then I'll be with him for the rest of the week. Um, so it's been... It's re- it is hard to juggle, but at the same time, um, I'm fully aware that we're in a position where we're lucky enough to be able to put him, you know, I, my PA work pays for me to be able to put him into nursery, and um, a lot of people aren't afforded that, yeah. um, and that's something definitely to mention, because I don't know um, how many of the people you've spoken to are in a position where they can afford childcare, but the cost of childcare is exponentially, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's unbelievable. Yeah. comparison to what you earn so you have to be earning quite a lot to be able to actually make any money you know when you put your child into childcare so um, which is why I have to do the other work because I can't I can't do the theatre stuff it doesn't pay enough yeah, yeah. so um, it's not to say I don't enjoy the other work because I do because it uses a different part of my brain so Dolls I uses more creative there's a lot of organisational but also the PA stuff is very much like organisation um of someone else's life <laughs> which, yeah. is, which is quite nice in a way it gives me that sort of distance <laughs> and then I go back to organising mine and organising um, my babies but yeah I guess it's just a case of trying to work out what can benefit everyone you know yeah. and, and actually, I actually do think there's a big benefit from kids if you can afford to putting them in nursery I think there's you know everyone has different views on that but actually there's I think there's a lot to be said for them socialising with other kids and trying to be a bit more independent and um, interact I mean perhaps that's because that fits my narrative but either way it's that or I would go mad if I was at home on my own Um, and it's juggling the feeling of I think also because we as a generation had the baby boomer parents who have got a very very different setup so I think most of my friends mums were stay-at-home mums Um, and they were stay-at-home mums until the kids were probably like early teens Um, and I think when you've grown up with that you sort of feel like that's that's the way it's done but actually maybe not you know maybe not maybe that's not the right in inverted commas way for everyone to be and actually um, there is something wonderful about that but what gives 
within that scenario yeah you know, um, because something has to because something yeah, may yeah, yeah. Give, you know it might not because as i think a lot of um people um are happy to be at home all the time and that is so wonderful and such a beautiful thing um and if they can find that balance that's great but for me personally it's it's not really possible and if i ha- if i had to um i would just have to work every evening and you know i would yeah, need to find a way yeah, yeah i need yeah. to find a way yeah so would you what would you say is your biggest sacrifice that you've made for work funnily enough I don't actually feel I have with work I almost feel like I've pushed harder since having him um, with work I, I kind of don't feel I've I've, ha- I've had that much of a sacrifice I think it takes its toll on other things you know in terms of relationships in terms of who you're able to see when and um, psychological stuff but with work I think I've just because I've always had different hats on and I've always had different jobs since forever since I was 18 different sort of um, different work I haven't really felt that it's taken that much of a toll it's just it's to eat, eaten up more time that job than the others yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and what about the other way around would you say that there's anything that you've had to sacrifice in terms of your son or your family time because of because of work or I certainly think um, my husband and I and um, my baby don't spend enough time all together because yeah. I spend a lot of weekends working so when it comes to time when he can have the baby then I I say right I need to write you know I need yeah. to, I need to draft redraft I need to send it to my dramaturg I need to have this phone call then so my weekends I know I've got guaranteed childcare again the better commas I've got he can he can have him and it's free yeah exactly <laughs> and it's free and he really likes him um, so so I I work a lot in um, times when you know and he has to pick up the slack then because he then is parenting solo parenting and that's yeah. fine but it's always more fun you know if you can all be doing it together but we rarely spend much time together because uh, when I get the opportunity to have someone have him that yeah. you know I'll go for it because I've, I've got to get stuff done yeah so what would you say about having your son has changed your career for the better sounds like you've got a lot of inspiration from him well I was going to say mine's pretty direct in the (laughs) sense that it's informed the whole of the play which I've written Um, so there's that I think I'm probably more patient I was always relatively patient work wise but when you explain to a small person that many times a day how to do something it kind of helps you get more patient with other people Um, so we kind of like touched on women within the, th- the theatre world and how um, they're used or depicted in theatre. Mm. But in terms of parents working in in theatre, how accepting would you say they are? Like, for instance, I know you sent you sent me some really interesting articles about Pippa Nixon. Yeah, Pippa Nixon is Pippa Nixon. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Um, in terms of you know, she almost she asked for what she wanted and, and she got it but a lot, a lot of people would be brave enough to ask that question in the first place have you yeah. got people coming to you asking for those kind of not in that position yet and a lot of the women that I've um, been working with and, and men actually in the last production um, are a bit younger okay. they haven't got kids yet so um, 
Well, I think the industry is shifting and changing, and and um, the parents in performing arts movement is is brilliant. Pippa, PIPA, um, they're doing a lot of work and campaigning because, as an actor, um, and I. Um, haven't obviously done this for some time but um, as an actor it's virtually impossible to take a job if you're a parent because rehearsals are three weeks they're ten till six there's very little flexibility um, because it's such a short time um, and I think equity are doing work around that as well there is a change um, but it's slow I hope that by the time our kids are you know about to embark on careers it will be a oh my god wasn't it ridiculous that in that yes. time there wasn't a level of support you know but it's also about again women feeling confident enough to say I'm going to need to breastfeed yeah um, so it needs to happen at this time this time this time there's such a huge amount of competition in the industry that people are frightened they're going to lose the job if they request it yeah so um it's about again empowering people to feel like do you know what if these Everyone people don't it. want me because I'm asking about that then I don't want to do the job but ultimately yeah. that's easier said than done because it was the best job you've ever done in your life then you might think do you know what I'm just gonna yeah. I'm just gonna go for it and, and I'll have a nervous breakdown in the process um, yeah. so there is there is a lot of change there is shift but it's slow it will happen what do you think the industry can do then to try and kind of help help with that like I don't know my first thought would be like should companies be asking you saying have you got children yeah do you need to breastfeed do you know what I mean and I kind of having a, a almost a, a plan in place yeah it's kind of like from their business sense it's like I want to do 10 till 6 exactly so therefore yeah so I think things like having I mean having for example big companies like National Theatre or Young Vic or things like that I mean um I don't know the ins and outs of it and, and how it would work, but things like having a crash, you know, having a crash yeah. on site would be an absolute. I mean, that would be amazing. You take a job and you know there's childcare available and it's part of the um, contract, yeah. um, and you can go and feed when you need to feed, and that's an understanding and it's welcomed. Uh, it's a lot, lot harder with small emerging companies like we couldn't do that. No. Um, but I would always hope that we would be as flexible as we can possibly be and and there are companies like um there are companies like prams in the hall um and a number of theater companies that are specifically talking about that in terms of supporting women but it's it's got a long way to go but i feel confident it will get there it's just um it's going to take a bit of time yeah it's the conversations have got to happen in the first place to get people to start coming around to it and I guess see the benefits of it as well like like you say I found it really interesting with Pippa Nixon that she kind of she was going to turn it down it was actually her husband that was like hang on a minute why don't you just ask yeah and then by doing that she got everything that she wanted but again I guess you, you say okay it's really good that she asked um it was probably a really understanding particular person that like took that on you might not get that in other cases it's just you just never know you never do know you? You never and it know. seems like it's like that in all the creative industries yeah exactly well. exactly and i think it's probably like that in a lot of industries but the point is the competition is fierce yeah. so you get a job and there are thousands of people that have applied for that position who could do it and yeah. you really don't want to turn it down so um yeah you almost want to, it's a weird one, isn't it? You almost want to have, like, not blind auditions, but kind of you get the job and then it's 
all those other kind of questions and the terms and stuff yeah, it's get all, decided once you've got the role. Yeah, exactly, yeah, it's all written in, yeah. You kind of go like, you've got the role, okay, now how do we make this work for you? Because I found it really interesting as well, obviously, in, in my job is... Um, Sometimes it's not a, it's not a baby; it's a metaphorical baby. As in, you've got another hobby, you've yeah. got a side project, you've got another side business, or whatever, and you just want to use your time to be able to do that. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah, yeah. And pushing back, and I think that's the thing that people need to learn to do a bit more to just sort of be like, well, I I have been in since eight o'clock. Yeah, it's five thirty. I'm done. Yeah, you know, if you've got the work done and you've done it, then being able to say. You know, I'm 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 done, and I need to go. I need to go to my family. I need to go to my uh, netball. I need to go to my whatever it might be. And actually, being quite clear on those lines, it's easier said than done. But yeah, it is definitely. I think yeah. it is definitely a confidence thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Being able to ask for that in yeah, the first place. Exactly. So, if you could go back now, before you had your son, what do you wish you'd known? or been able to tell yourself that's a good question um, I think I'd say to myself go easy on yourself you know because of this juggling all the plates and yeah. um, and it's okay to feel like it's a bit shit sometimes I think yeah. you know like in terms of it doesn't have to be this picture perfect thing all the time you know it's it's difficult and try and navigate that um, and I think that would be my sort of motherhood thing to say like say that and also to say with regard to birth talk about it you know yeah don't be afraid to talk, talk about, about it, it yeah um, because there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot to unpick and um, being an ostrich does not necessarily help you you know putting your head in the sand is not necessarily the best way to deal with uh, a challenging yeah I'm I'm a big believer in talking about everything yeah <laughs> any just find someone that you can speak to Ooh. about it and um, exactly or yeah. even just writing it down yeah like, yeah I've got I lots find... of friends that do journaling yeah um, and they really love that and I think you know a lot of that's been this play you know I've written it down yeah <laughs> and now I'm gonna put it out in front of so we, oh so it has actually been oh, like... it's been massively cathartic for me okay yeah it's been hugely therapeutic and actually um, if you are creative and you enjoy doing stuff like that, I think writing is just wonderful because yeah. something you can do on your own it doesn't require um, you know obviously we're going to have an audience um, in a week's time but it's something that um, doesn't require you being with anyone you can quietly do it when the baby's asleep or when oh, yeah. you just, you can just take that you can just do something for yourself and that self-care thing is cheesy as hell but it's so important just being able to be like I just need this time now I need yeah. two hours where I'm not with them and I just need to do something like paint my nails or read a book or whatever it might be yeah. I just need some time to myself um so is it literally you was journaling like quite a bit of 
like how you just experience in no I, I, I wasn't actually journaling what I was doing was um, talking and um, speaking to friends and mulling everything over and um, and I actually um, because I was working with uh, Natalie was I had a meeting with her and just talked to her about it and she's massively inspiring she said lots of amazing things about her experiences of working with women and I just thought not only is this fascinating but it's also just a really good story <laughs> Do yeah, you know like yeah. from a really basic kind of narrative arc um, it's it's yeah it's it's got everything it needs <laughs> it's yeah, dramatically yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so then I just started chucking everything down you know and we did a rehearsed reading a few months ago and then I got feedback from an audience and then just we've just been I'm on I think draft six you know um so it's been it's been a lengthy process um and yeah it's just just trying to get it out there and I'm actually going to be in this production as well so um for the first time in eight years so that's a whole other thing yeah um but there's a lot of my experience but a lot of shared experiences in there I feel um so yeah it's been very cathartic because what would you say your biggest fear was of birth yeah the biggest fear I think most parents have which is the baby dying yeah and actually that's something that's 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 the big one and that's the one that um that you know people don't really say out loud yeah um because it's so horrific yeah. It's so frightening, and there are obviously lots and lots of people that have gone through that experience. But the deep, deep fear is that I think I think that's the deep, deep fear for people who are honest. And would you say that is heightened by the media again as well, or would you say that it? I guess what I'm saying is, do you feel like like some of the things we've said about it's like it's because that perception has been put on it yeah it's the framing yeah and we talk about you know that's touched on in the play it's the framing this can happen and it does and it's horrific obviously but a lot of the time it doesn't happen exactly and so um, of course it's not about saying it doesn't happen because that needs to 100% be acknowledged to the full weight of that needs to be looked at but ultimately it's pretty rare yeah. Um, it's very rare, in fact. Yeah. Um, but it's a big fear. And actually, unless you can look at the fear and talk about the fear, I think it's very difficult to move forward. Yeah. Um, because if you kind of cover it with other stuff um, as a distraction, you know, um, you know, it's a bit, it's a big fear. And I think that was. I don't think I would have I would never have, I don't think when you're pregnant I don't think you even probably say I certainly didn't even say those words but obviously him coming early was a massive shock and that was the big fear but even at the time I didn't even, I couldn't even acknowledge that um, and I think it takes a long time to process that and to get your head around it and two years later now I'm thinking gosh yeah that was pretty terrifying that was a really terrifying time to be in that hospital for a week and to think I don't know what's happening why my water's gone at 32 weeks what's going on um, and it turned out he just pressed the eject button he just wanted to come you yeah. know um, and, and no one will know why that was um, but I think that's the big that's the big one you know and for for partners particularly it's that also the fear of the partner dying 
of their partner yeah. dying in childbirth. And again, of course, it happens, and that's horrific. Very, very rare that that happens. So um, there is so much fear around those things that actually um, that is something that needs to be considered, I think. Yeah. Did you speak to your partner about that fear? Not like, at all, no, not until after. And he said that he had Yeah, that I, fear I think or... he was more... He, he said he felt that that wasn't... That that wasn't a thing for him. But it's quite different when it's your body, I think. Yeah. When it's happening in your body, body and you've been yeah. carrying them for, you know, nine months. I think it's different... But also, uh, sometimes I wonder how aware all of us are, do you know, like, yeah. because there is, you know, there is that kind of like, is it going to be okay, is it going to take its first breath, you know, all those things. I don't know whether that inherent, you know, because we're so distanced from death now, yeah. you know, it's, it's, such, it's something that none of us really see, or I think there is so much um, anxiety and fear around that, understandably, that I think people are so afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. When but, it's um, the one thing that we all know is going to happen exactly, at one point. Yeah, so exactly. probably we should talk about yeah, it, shouldn't yeah. we? But that's, but that's for me personally, I mean, that's not something we go into and, you know, that's not really, that's, in fact, that's not a big part of the play at all. But um, but I do think that that's something that is an interesting part of the puzzle that people don't necessarily want to vocalise. Since becoming a mum, the biggest challenge has been not losing my mind. That is, yeah. <laughs> Again, love the honesty of that because so many people were just feeling. Well, like, I mean, I can't say I've been successful. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's been a challenge. So you're here with me. Exactly. Yeah. This is my therapy. Uh, <laughs> being successful means um, being. happy finding your own like being happy. happiness yeah. yeah I mean obviously being able to live and afford to live comfortably um, but being happy yeah and if there's one piece of advice I could give to any new parent trying to juggle a career it would be expect more okay ask for things expect that you have the power and confidence to ask for things if you need something for yourself you need to be able to take that in order to be a better parent a good parent to yeah. your child so they'll benefit in the long run yeah, yeah. lovely thank you very much you're welcome thank you for being so honest with me throughout all of this <laughs> and, share- no, not at all. and for sharing like all of your experiences um so yeah, fifth of September. Yeah, at Waterloo in yeah. the Calder Theatre, which is a little um, theatre space behind the Calder Bookshop, opposite the Young Vic on the Cut. Yeah. Um, and if you go to www.dollseyetheatre.com, um, then you'll find a link to tickets there. was another pro mum podcast um again special thanks to amy for taking the time to speak to me particularly while she's preparing for the show if you'd like to see birthright you can buy tickets at dollseyetheatre.com 
The music on this podcast is called Good Morning and credit goes to the composer Audio Binger. If you would like to be featured on Pro Mum or know someone who would, get in touch at promum.net.